0: We're the third week now in the uh, message series on the Beatitudes. And it's really, really, I was really creative and called this the message series, the Beatitudes. So, because I felt like, you know what, why, why improve on perfection? I mean, it's the blessings. Jesus gives us a set of blessings, and we would be well to study them. Uh, this week, we're going to be studying through this, this another small section in the Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Matthew 5, 5. And I'm going to put that there for us. Really short, really simple, but man, there is a load packed into these couple of lines. Jesus says from the mountain, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. How many folks here are Monty Python fans? Oh my goodness, I knew you guys would be. You guys have the same twisted sense of humor that I do. There is a, there's a, a, a movie. It was it probably, you know, I don't know that I, I'm not going to suggest ever watching this movie. But there's a scene in the movie. I would say, in my younger years, I watched this movie, okay? I'm going to go ahead and give you that disclaimer. Uh, the movie called was The Life of Brian. And The Life of Brian was kind of this uh, satirical, um, I guess, image of a of the biblical times through the life of Jesus through the eyes of this uh, peasant named Brian and one of the things that really stood out to me that always reminded me of this movie in the life of Brian was there's a scene where Jesus actually uh, is doing is preaching the the Beatitudes now for, for those of you who are so concerned about heresy and, and that type of thing, they actually do Jesus very well in this movie. In fact, they, they, they present him well, and they don't, they don't um, bash his teaching or anything. But what they do is they, they teach from a perspective of the listeners of the Beatitudes. And Jesus is sitting on, standing on top of this hill, and as you, the camera pans away, Jesus is speaking, and you kind of get the idea that not everyone, that the further back the people went, the less they could understand what Jesus was saying. And they were having to pass it along as they went, that Jesus would say something, and then the guy in front of them would pass it, pass it, pass it. Well, there was one portion where this woman in the very back goes, I have to say it with a British accent because it doesn't make any sense. What did he say? <laughs> and the, the guy in front of her says, He said, he said Blessed is the make. And she goes, oh, that's nice, the meek. You know what? It's so grateful they're getting something because they have such a hard time. And I think that's one of the funniest lines in the whole movie. She goes, I'm so glad that the meek are getting something because they have such a hard time in life. You know, when we remember this scene of Jesus preaching and teaching the Beatitudes, Again, as we've spoken about in the past couple of weeks, Jesus has been approached by every possible destitute person in the region to come and find healing, to come and find answers, to come and find um, hope in their lives for the things that they are suffering through. So he's looking out among the, the people of the region that would be the lowest socioeconomic Class In the area or in that culture, and he's teaching his disciples that there are things, uh, there are aspects, there are values, characteristics of these people, of these lowly, uh, destitute people that are kingdom values. And that's when he goes in and he starts to, to, to preach the blessings. When he preaches the Beatitudes, he talks about the poor in spirit as he's, as he's imagining or as he's looking out across this crowd. The poor in spirit, those who are, who are mourning. And then he gets to this blessing, those who are meek. Now, I intentionally, and I don't, don't normally um, use a, a scripture passage from the NIV, and I don't have anything against the, the NIV, to be honest with you. I just have a perspective. A specific translation that I prefer, which is the Christian Standard Bible. But I believe that uh, I'm going to be quoting from the NIV today because I believe the NIV actually does a better job at translating uh, this word, this Greek word that Jesus uh, speaks translated into the word meek. Now uh, some other translations will use words like gentle or they will use words like humble but truthfully, the word that Jesus speaks actually is best translated. Actually, is is the the the, the most um, the closest English word would be to be meek. And a lot of people uh, in, in language and uh, definitions, they'll try to um, they'll try to replace meek and hum- and humble with one another. And they're similar; they are similar in meaning. But there's something in the word meek. There's something in the word meek that carries so much of deeper meaning, especially to what Jesus says in the second part of that sentence when he says, Blessed are the meek because they will inherit the earth. You see, meek means that you are humble or gentle, but more, I guess, uh, more broadly, it means that you're, a person is not aggressive. They're more quiet, they're gentle they, um, they're submissive. So we get some, we get a picture of someone who is meek, of someone who is, who is gentle, who is, who is, um, who is kind, someone who is quiet, someone who's not forceful in their approach. And you see how this could be a little bit different than using the word humble. So Jesus specifically uses meekness. And, and I kind of use my own definition of, of meekness when I think about uh, meekness being the acknowledgement within somebody or accepted dependency that they have. In, in our case that we're reading here, our dependency on God. The, 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 it's kind of that acknowledged weakness. Now, meekness is not weakness, but it is acknowledging the fact that we have a, a certain ability within ourselves, and God has an ability within his person. And we have to recognize our place within that relationship. So we have to trust God because we don't have the power or the ability to do the things that he does. We, we can't, even as, um, as aggressive, as boastful, as, um, as powerful as we could possibly become as human beings, we have to recognize that we'll never, we'll never approach the power and approach the authority that God has. So Jesus says it's those who are meek, those who have recognized their place within the relationship between humanity and God that inherit the earth. It's those that are, have find their, their quiet place. They find their, their quiet place in this world. They find their, their, uh, their gentle place in this world. That they approach life with ease, with, with ease, with respect. Of the one true God you see meekness often is considered a weakness in our culture um, because as you probably know if you've been in business or um, or school or anything else it's it's usually you know what what do a lot of our idioms refer to the strong one right it's the early bird who gets the worm you need to take the bull by the horns you need to get out there and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done, all right? It all depends on you. You know, you, you think about the powerful, the strong, the ones that have, that that endeavor, the ones that, um, the ones that are, uh, that have drive or that are driven people. When my brother and I were, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we were up in Boston. We had visited the, uh, the the little pub that inspired the, the, the sitcom Cheers, and there were so many things. When we walked into this little pub to just to kind of take pictures and stuff, and you know see the the area because I used to watch Cheers whenever you know years ago. Um, and, all, and all I wanted to do was yell Norm as I walked in. I probably wouldn't be the only person, but as we got to the back of the little pub, they actually had a um, a, a souvenir shop, and on the in the souvenir shop they had T-shirts that had some of the quotable quotes from Norm Peterson, and one that stood out to me that, 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 that really, I think, follows along with our, our culture, our perspective of the way of the, the strong ones in life. This quote was on this T-shirt, and it said, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world out there, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> in other words, was, you know, the wisdom of Norm Peterson was that, you know what, it's a, you got to get out there and take it. If you want it, you've got to take it. And you've got to be the strong one because you know what? Somebody else is trying to take it from you. Now that is the polar opposite of meekness. That is the polar opposite of meekness. And that's kind of our our cultural context, our current context of meekness. But when we think about the the word meekness and what it meant in Jesus' context, We have to recognize that he's speaking to a group of men and a crowd of people who are occupied and oppressed by an empire, by a brutal empire. And we have a culture that he's speaking to, the Jews, that have this hope in their lives that someone who they thought would be Jesus, was going to lead them into a military battle, a military victory to take over and overthrow this evil empire of Rome. So what they expected was someone that was going to come in and rally the troops and say, you know what guys, we got to get it going. All right, pick up your weapons, pick up your swords, you know, start doing your push-ups and your sit-ups. We're going to work on all of our, our military might, and we're going to take over and we're going to overthrow this regime. And Jesus looks at these people who have been oppressed and have become depressed because of the Roman occupation. And he tells them, you know, it's actually the meek ones who are going to be blessed. And the way that would have translated into their minds. So, Jesus, you're telling me the strong ones are the ones that are going to submit to the authority of the Romans, the ones that are going to sit here and just take it. And as Jesus had spoken about before, we're going to continue to turn the other cheek every time that they smack us, we're going to have to continue to pay their taxes. We're going to have to continue to see them torture our people. Because because Jesus, I think that if we get all our people together, we can take them. And Jesus says, no. The value of the kingdom is meekness, is gentleness, is humility. It's trusting on and waiting on the Lord. Doing the things that you should be doing to honor Him, but waiting on the Lord. You know, see, Jesus' promise that comes from this, um, that he, he derives this blessing from, actually has its roots in one of the Psalms. Psalm 37 Psalm 37, 1 through 22. And I'm going to read a section from that. And I want us to get a a biblical picture of what it means to be meek. And this is what Jesus would have had in mind whenever he spoke this blessing and why it was going to be a blessing. The psalmist is writing in the midst of, um, again, an, an oppressive time. And the psalmist goes to encourage the reader to be meek but the definition of meek or the actual the 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 words that jesus spoke doesn't come towards until verse 11 but read how the psalmist defines meekness as he goes and this is from psalm again psalm 37 starting at verse 1 psalmist says do not fret because those who are evil Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Instead, and I've highlighted this. This is the emphasis is mine. From verse 3. Instead, trust in the Lord and do good. So don't fret, but just trust in the Lord. So we see that first image of meekness. Dwell in the land. Now notice he says dwell in the land. He doesn't say take the land. He says, basically, um, exist in the land that you have been placed and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord and trust in Him and He will do this. He He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. How many of us is that easy to do? To be still and wait patiently in this dog-eat-dog world when you know that the more that you wait, the further behind you get because the guy behind you, I guarantee you, is not meek. He says, "Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, or when they carry out their wicked schemes." See, the psalmist goes ahead, and he 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 actually tells us that people who are wicked, people who are who are um, who are ambitious in unholy ways, they will actually they will see success, worldly success. I mean, think about what we've noticed in our own culture. Notice about what we've noticed in our own world. Who is the ones that always seem to be ahead? It's the schemers, right? The schemers, the driven ones. They're the rich ones. They're the ones that end up with all the power. They're the ones that are sitting in places of authority. They're the ones that have Swiss bank accounts. But the psalmist says... But don't get angry. Turn from wrath and do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed. But those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you will look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. And when we think about Jesus' teaching and the, the values of the kingdom and how upside down and backwards it is to the things that we have experienced or things that we see in this life, the psalmist kind of puts it out there point blank. You're going to see evil things and evil people succeed. You're going to see driven and powerful people end up with things that you don't have. They're going to be wealthy. They're going to have land. They're going to have things. They're going to have power. They're going to have authority. Look at what the Romans had in the midst of this biblical context that Jesus was was teaching. Look at the the massive land grab that they had. Look at look at the the massive amount of wealth and the power and the fear that they had rained down on people in their in their their kingdom, the Roman kingdom. And now look where Rome, the Roman empire is. The, Ro- the psalmist and Jesus saying, Be meek, be gentle, be patient, wait on the Lord. You see, because God knows that no matter what it is that we strive for by our own power, no matter what it is that those, those people who do not know Him strive for, the no, no matter what that they, that, they, um, that they are driven to do, it's always going to come up and fall short of the promises that God wants to give you for free, without all your effort, if we just wait on him. And I've done this in the past couple of messages, but I'm going to do it for you again. This is the Jeff commentary, the, 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 the overall, what I've, what I've found to be the synopsis of this message. Whatever it is that we are striving for by our own power and initiative, you're going to find that it's going to be regrettably insignificant. Compared to the inheritance that God has in store for those who trust and wait on Him. Now it took me a minute to actually to wordsmith that because I wanted us to understand that those two words regrettably insignificant, I chose very carefully. Because at some point in our lives, if we have found that we have been, stri- we are striving for, we have been driven to attain things of this world, of this earth, to try to keep up with our neighbor, to try to, to, try to find and, and keep things, Lord, that look, look good for us here on this earth, then we're going to be mightily disappointed. Because what does Jesus say that He wants to give us? What does Jesus say that God wants us to have? The whole earth. You can strive for that car. You can strive for that job. You can strive for that raise. You can strive for that house, that, 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 that place of authority. But Jesus goes, why, why would you want that little thing if in the end you just trust me and wait on me and look what I'm going to give you? All of it. It's so difficult for us to be still and wait on the Lord. I, I'm not, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I may as well just have a mirror in front of me because I could be preaching to myself as I, I, as I am to you. We all, we all are in the same boat. We, we find that it's difficult to be still and wait on the Lord whenever we see the accomplishments of people and businesses and things that are, that are going on all around us. We see potential or roadblocks ahead of us, and we try to take charge. We try to take the reins. We see that another person has something that, man, we want that, or I deserve that as much as they do. And therefore, we change our priorities and we start striving for that. We start working towards those particular things. I'm drawn to this, to this conversation that Moses had with the Israelites as they were standing at the shores of the Red Sea. The Egyptians were coming up behind them, chasing them as they were exiting Egypt. And the Israelites get to the Red Sea and and they start to grumble. They start to think and they start to say, "You know what? It's pointless. It's hopeless. We're right here in the midst of this uh, of, of this." Uh, wilderness. We're butted up against the water. The Egyptians are coming to annihilate us. Why don't we just go back? Why don't we just go? At least there we we could live and survive. And Moses says this. He says, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord that he'll bring to you today. He says this in Exodus 14. The Egyptians you see today will never see again. And then he says something profound in 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know, like God told the Israelites, Jesus is telling us that we need to be still. We need to be submissive to him, his way, his will, his plan, his time, on his terms, for his glory. And recognize the promise that Jesus has given us. For those of us that do that, what you strive for in your own power will be regrettably insignificant to the things that God is going to give you for being meek. And meekness brings one other aspect in our life that so many of us, so many of us find fleeting. There's a quote, actually two quotes, from uh, one of the greatest preachers and authors of the 20th century, A.W. Tozer. And he talks about meekness in, in in comparison to rest. Comparison to not just rest as in resting your physical body, but soul rest. He says this. He says, The meek man will attain a place of soul rest. As he walks on in meekness, he'll be happy to let God defend him. The old struggle to defend himself is over. He's found the peace which meekness brings. And then he says, Jesus calls us to his rest. Meekness brings rest because now we are not driven by our own desires, our own hopes, our own power to get things done and to acquire the things that we want. We can take a deep breath. Everybody go, <sighs> Jesus calls us to his rest and meekness is his method. The meek man cares not. He doesn't care who's greater than he because he's long ago decided that the esteem of the world is not worth the effort I'm hoping maybe that this message for you as it has been for me in studying it is a sigh of relief and that's why I said to take a deep breath find that soul rest in recognizing that if we just merely be still and trust God. If we merely just seek to honor Him and glorify Him. That we don't, we're, not, we're not fighting after all of these things and these, uh, and these um, accomplishments in life. That we're not always trying to, to, to get the things that are temporary while we are disregarding the things that God wants to give us that are eternal, maybe God's telling you, as He's been telling me, to, to be meek, to slow down, to just be still, be patient, trust in Him, quit running yourself rampant for something that you can't obtain on your own, anyhow. You know, for every single athlete that wins a championship, there are hundreds, maybe thousands, that never even make it to the game. And they spend their entire lives training for it, just like the ones who won it. The thousands of baseball players who have never won a World Series. The thousands of football players who have never won a Super Bowl. Jesus says, if you can do this, if you can approach life with meekness, if you can trust in Him, if you can be be quiet and still, believe that He has the power and the ability to do all that He needs you to do for His glory, not for yours, then in the end, your inheritance will be more than you could ever imagine. And I want to leave this verse up here as we take time to reflect on these words in Communion. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, while those words were spoken by Moses to the nation of Israel in a specific occasion, they are timeless and eternal in their application. And for me and for you, he's saying, The Lord's got this. The Lord will fight for you. All you need to do is be still. Trust Him. Be patient. Don't fight over the things or fight for the things that either you can't obtain on your own or they're going to fall regrettably short of the things that God has in store for you. Those that trust in the Lord, those that wait on Him, the meek, they inherit the earth. You know, for ages and ages, and even to this day, People have been striving for not only not only things, not only uh, positions at work, not only uh, resources, not only land, but they've been striving for something that else they can't attain on their own, and that is salvation. People strive to find peace and rest outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ people strive to find hope outside of a God that loves them and gave them grace and mercy through His Son. People strive to find purpose in their life outside of a Savior that has given them a hope and a purpose. And for us, whenever we take communion, to me this is, and for the million of things that this reminds me of, it reminds me Specifically, that where I couldn't and the things that I could never attain, Jesus did. He paid the price of your sins and mine. He righted our relationship with God. He defeated evil. He provided a way for each one of those who trust in Him and are patient with Him and allow God to glorify Himself. He promised that we would inherit more than we could ever imagine. Father, I pray that as we take the bread and the cup this morning, Lord, that we celebrate first and foremost the fact that what You have in store for us through Your Son, Jesus Christ, And what you have done for us is unimaginably beyond anything we could ever do for or attain ourselves. Lord, the sacrifice that your son offered for himself, offered for us by sacrificing himself, his broken body, his spilled blood, Lord, for each one of us, for myself included, May this be a symbol of this very promise, this very blessing that Jesus gives in the Beatitudes. A symbol of the value of meekness. The symbol of the value of submission. Of trusting in God. Of being still. Allow you, our God, to do what only you can do. and father just as your word says without any possible ability on our own you have brought us to yourself by your love by your grace and your mercy we praise you for that lord help us to be still help us to wait on the lord and may this meal be a symbol that you always fulfill your promises. In Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. Let's eat together.